Shabbat Shalom. Okay, too many things. I'm going to stand here and hope all of the verbs and nouns that were in my brain just now, like, don't all fall out. <laughs> okay, so there have been some things going um, through my mind over the past couple of weeks that the Lord has really been having me intercede for. And I was really certain that that's what he was going to have me talk about today. Uh, but like he is known to do, he changes things up and makes sure that he's the author of what is being said. Um, so just to reflect a little bit on what our congregation has been kind of walking into, Rich has been really talking a lot about discipleship, and that has really affected me personally quite a bit. And um, then Marie talked a little bit last week about inner healing and gave this beautiful derosh of just a welcoming into what is sometimes misunderstood about inner healing. It's a very safe and very um, welcoming place to go with the Lord. Um, so as I was praying about those things and just kind of asking him what I should talk about and pray about, and I really thought I knew <laughs> what it was, um, he took me on a little journey. Um, he stopped me with that phrase from his commandments, uh, no graven images. And that's why I picked some of the verses today, because um, you see his sweetness, but you also see his, his, uh, his very specific commandments to not have idols. And so I was confident, okay, I'm going to talk about graven images or not having idols in our lives, but even that wasn't where I was supposed to stop. Um, just on a side note, graven actually means um, written or, no, uh, fixed indelibly in the mind. And I thought that was really interesting for the fact that he's supposed to be writing his Torah on our hearts and on our, and our minds. And so if we have that, something else carved out there, it really isn't going to, it's not going to land. It's not going to absorb. Um, so I thought that that was it, and I was getting all excited about that. And then the Lord kind of leads me down this sweet path of, um, Sean's been gone for four weeks. He has two more weeks to go on his training. And um, just realizing that the Lord is bringing me into a life where I don't have to feel lack. I don't have to feel the absence of him. I don't have to feel like I can't or this is too hard or because he offers himself to me and I wait only for him, right? And so I was thinking, oh, I'm going to talk about this. And so I even got this wonderful book, <laughs> A Life Without Lack by Dallas Willard. It's living in the fullness of Psalm 23. And I was confident that that was what I was supposed to talk about. And it's not true. Um, and, I I, and I figured it out when I came across this quote. And there's never a, a, a wasted time in a Dallas Willard book, but this just isn't what I'm supposed to talk about. This quote changed everything. It says, we must come to an awareness in our own minds concerning the nature of God. That is, we must think about God in ways that match what God is like. Without harmony between our ideas about God and his true character, we will never be able to make the kind of contact with God that will give us confidence, grounded in our, grounded in our experience in the complete sufficiency of God to provide for our needs. So as I was praying, I was actually in higher grounds, and I was praying, and I was thinking, I need one point, Lord. <laughs> I just need one point. I've got five, and it's not them, so what is it? And he just, it just came down, and he said, romance they need to know my love. 
you need to be able to trust my love. From that, inner healing, discipleship, living a life without lack, having patience, it flows from that. But I feel like today his invitation to all of us is to walk into and trust his love. So as I began to think about this, and I'm, I'm crying and shaking in higher grounds and super happy that I'm in a place that's spirit-filled, so nobody really cares. Um, I was just kind of freaking out in there with a cup of coffee, just like, this is amazing. You know, it's so microscopic at the middle of everything, but it's also the biggest thing ever. It covers everything, his love, right? So, and I was looking up the word woo because I feel like this, we're coming into a season of discipleship that he's wooing us into. This is not something that he's just like, chip, chop, chip, you need to do this. It's more, I'm wooing you into this. I want you closer to me. If you trust my love, you're going to do whatever I say you have to do, no matter how hard it is, and it's going to be worth it. So I looked up the definition of woo, as I'm known to do definitions a lot, um, and I was really... I found it easy for a woman to be wooed. I mean, it seems like, no, it's no-brainer, right? We can all, at least mentally women, we can get there in our brains. And But for men, I saw another definition I thought was so beautiful, and it means allied to. And men, when you know that you have to go, and women, when you know you have to go out and fight a battle, and the Lord is saying, I am allied to you. You fight with me. I fight with you. I love you, I will defend you. I mean, that to me, it spoke volumes. So as I was thinking about love and I was interceding about love and I was just trying to just remember all the times that he has wooed me and he has romanced me as his child, as his love, as his, um, as his friend, uh, I was remembering the, the, the story of Adam in the garden, you know, where he, he wants to know where Adam is. Where are you, Adam? And that's like that first moment where you realize that somebody didn't trust God's love. And that really hit me. I was like, man, the pain of that moment really hit me. Just, man, that's the moment. That's the moment they lost it. And we all have that moment or those moments where the Lord's like, I just, I just lost you there. You lost me there. Come back to me. Where are you? And then I remembered Revelation 2, the church in Ephesus, you know, to bookend it, quite literally, um, where he's telling his church, you know, return to your first love. I see you persevering, and you're doing great things, but you need to return to your first love and do the things that you did in the beginning. So what were those things that we were doing in the beginning when we first felt him wooing us and pursuing us, and we felt his love so intensely that first time, Right? We pursued him back. We read his word. We couldn't get enough of it. We worshiped with our whole hearts, and yet we have slowed that down. Life is hard. Things are rough, and it does happen, but I think there's an invitation that he's giving us to, to remember that time and to get it back. Um, so I have love language that is gifts, and I'm now willing to admit that. Uh, because I used to think it was really silly. Like, everybody else seems to receive easily, and I need stuff. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, the Lord really reminded me that, hello, I gave you a love language because I love you, not because I'm trying to make your life harder, um, a way that you can receive from me. So um, 
as a gifts language, you, you sometimes don't get gifts a lot. I mean, there are not enough, right? <laughs> Amen. That's the end of my darash. No. Um, so, <laughs> so, but, um, and all you people who think gifts are silly, they're not silly. Um, some of us really receive that way. And so, but the Lord showed me, Carly, you're waiting for people to give you gifts all the time. I give you gifts all the time. All the time I'm giving you gifts. You are not seeing them. I felt very convicted because there was a moment where I was like, Sean, this would be a really good time for a gift. And he was like, oh, right, because he thinks someone gives him a gift. That's like a cheap answer to love, right? It's like, don't buy me off. I just want you to say something nice to me. So, but I got... (laughs) I am not done. Okay. So, (laughs) I got this little notebook, and I write down all the gifts he gives me just as an active participant to his love in my life. Because I forgot, you guys, I forgot how much he woos me every day. And my husband's not home. I need some gifts. And oh, he's been so faithful. And some of you have been faithful to answer that for me. And I I really appreciate it. So I was thinking about, Lord, what would a story be that I could explain kind of how I feel about this and, and kind of, you know, kind of wrap it up. And um, he gave me a gift this week. He gave me a gift through my sister-in-law who brought over a, this little figurine. Um, it's like a, it's a brass heavy uh, hummingbird. And we like brass figurines because, well, we're part old ladies or something. I don't know, but it's really cute. <laughs> And we really like them, and it's really lovely, and she knows how much hummingbirds mean to me. And so I get this on Tuesday, and the Lord gives me this love download on Wednesday, and I still haven't made the connection, because I'm dense. And then Friday, my brother comes over to mow my lawn, which I wrote in my book, by the way. And, and, and Cassie, I wrote that. And, but it's still not making sense to me, and I'm sitting with Sam yesterday, And I'm like, yeah, Cassie got me this. I just really love it. And boom, it hit me. I need to tell you all my hummingbird story. So this is a story that explains why romance with the Lord is so important. I think the year was 2007. Lily was about two years old and my only child at the time. And I had struggled a lot with mental illness. Um, Struggled a lot with mental illness due to trauma. And it was, it was just a really, really rough road. I was on the wrong medication, which was actually making me a lot worse than it was making me better. And I had lost my will to live. And so through a series of events that I won't go into, my husband said, you're going to the hospital. So I went to the hospital, and I spent a week there getting retreated and rediagnosed and whole nine yards but the interesting thing was is that I met three believers while I was there who worked there and they kept telling me every time they saw me if you have a relationship with him it's gonna be okay and I was like um okay great I don't I don't get it I mean I've, I've loved him since I was six years old and things have just gotten progressively harder I don't see the love and so I got 
released to go home and I'm just kind of a shell of a person at this point. I've got a lot of chemicals in me and I'm just trying to make it. I'm feeling lots of guilt for not being the mom and the wife that I had hoped and but a little hope. Um, the Lord did some things there that, that I needed. Um, but I got invited over to have dinner at someone's house and my true love language is food gifts, let's be honest. And so I was sitting there just receiving this wonderful meal from this couple who lived way out in the country. And I was just kind of disjointed and, and, and not feeling like myself and didn't know what my, myself really felt like trying to be a mommy again and, and try to encourage Sean that it's going to be okay. I see I'm better now. And my friend Joy, yes, her name was Joy, um, <laughs> encouraged me to go out and sit on the front porch and just sit. Just go sit with the Lord, she said. Just just spend some time with him. It was so quiet out in the country, I just, I, I, I welcomed the invite. And I went out there and I sat there and in a moment of just pure childlikeness, which is, I think, part of the key to all of this, right? Becoming like a child. I asked the Lord to just show me in some way that I mattered to him at all. I just sat there and was like, I, I don't have anything left, Lord. This doesn't feel like it's going to be getting any easier anytime soon. I really need to know that you care about me. And I closed my eyes, and I sat there. And within about 30 seconds, this wind just blew my hair back. And I kept my eyes shut because I was a little too afraid to open them. I didn't. I mean, I grew up in a Holy Spirit-filled church. I was like, I don't know what's happening right now. And I, my, the wind was blowing my hair. And I heard Joy through the, the screen behind me whisper very quietly, don't move. And I opened my eyes. And there were 50 hummingbirds around my head. There were at least 50, and they were all there, just looking straight at me and flying around me and buzzing and humming. And they stayed there for like 30 seconds, which is a very long time when you're sitting still. And they just hummed around me. And I heard him say so clearly, how much more do I love you? And it clicked. It just made sense. Now, I'm here to tell you that after that, it got harder. I had to do a lot of work. There was a lot of discipleship to walk through and a whole lot of inner healing to walk through. But I knew he saw me, and I trusted in his love at that moment because he answered. Just with little birds. And those birds will forever mean to me that I am seen, and they're tiny, and he sees them, and he decorated them. They're glorious little birds, right? So I just want to share with you that the invitation is always there, that his love is always available to walk into. And if you don't know where it is, and if you haven't seen it, start writing them down. Start searching for them. Search it out. Look behind, look presently, and look ahead. Ask him to show you, because he will show you how much you can trust his love as a father, how much you can trust his love as a savior, and how much you can trust his love as a comforter, because it's, it's never failing. So I just wanted to 
share that with you today and let you know that as we walk into this discipleship and inner healing and things that we really, really desperately need, please root yourself and ground yourself in his love because he might not always give us easy